Welcome to Devils in the Dark with me, Helen Anderson. And me, Danny Howard. We're two best friends entering the world of true crime. We'll be sharing the stories of some of the worst and wildest true crime cases in history, and we're taking you along for the ride. In this episode, we're looking at the murders of John List. You're always, I mean, you wore the, you've worn that other one so much it actually doesn't even exist anymore. Look, I just don't follow the wash instructions, right? <laughs> I ain't listening to your rules. I'll do what I want, and then I feel sad when I take out a tumble dryer. And then it's fucked. Yeah, it's fucked. Oh, that's then, why it said not to do that, isn't it? Yeah. And then you're like, don't feature this in a video, Helen. <laughs> it's not good yeah, advertising. Bad advertising. <laughs> what have you done to it? Um, yeah, you're right. Yeah, man. I've got literally like nothing to say today oh. <laughs> like I had my I, I don't even have interesting thoughts anymore I think I've just really I, I've been a level of tired this week that has surpassed I got to the point again where I couldn't tell what was real and I was like Baker I oh just, no I just need to have a sleep I can't remember if I actually just had a conversation with you or if that was real or not and he was like you didn't okay I'm delirious oh no it's okay I mean you're in the best of spirits today though yeah, thanks. Well, it's because I've got to spend a lot of time with you, oh, my friend. Yay. We're bouncing today. Bouncing off each other's energy, which is great. Do you know what? The weather's nice. We had a lovely drive-in, didn't we? We did. We got to come together, which doesn't... Well, we haven't been able to do anymore. that in a while because I've been. I go straight to my little studio after this, don't exactly. I? Exactly. And I'm just spitballing. Is that the word? That's a gross phrase. What, spitballing. Spitballing. What does that even mean? I don't, have I made? I don't know what. I don't know what it means. So I think you might have made it up. When you know, like you're just throwing ideas around. Spitballing. That can't be right, can it? It's gross. It's curved. No, it's not. It's something to do with balls. <laughs> but I don't think it's spitting I mean, it's, them. When it comes to me, Helen, it's always got something to do with Spit balling. No, it's right. You spitballed. Yeah. Why? To propose ideas, suggestions for consideration in an informal, preliminary way. It's a gross turn of phrase. Isn't it? it? Where does that even come from? Fuck. Do you know what? Yesterday I was at Henry VIII's house. Oh. Well, I was in his garden. Okay. Did Hampton you not get to Court. Go in the house? No, 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 because oh, the dogs aren't allowed in the grounds, oh. but you're allowed on the outsidey bit, right? Fucking massive place, Hampton Court Palace, Lovely but beautiful. Inside yeah. Inside Hamptons of London, OMG, like so nice. But I was thinking on the drive home, and I was trying to like stay awake and not fall asleep because it was a, it's a long, it was a long way. Anyway, I was thinking, because I was like, Mum, Henry had eight wives, didn't he? She was like, yeah. I went, what happened to them? And mum, bless us, trying to remember the rhyme the whole time home. Like, oh, you know, like she's like, I think it was I mean, once and then deceased and then and then beheaded and no, 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 divorced, beheaded, died, divorced, yeah. beheaded, survived. So that's, hang on, Henry A. Right. Mate, Wives I'm going to stop rhyme. you Stop you Googling it right there because I have seen six enough times that I am now an expert on every single oh, one. Right, go on Do you then. want me to sing the songs? No, no. Catherine but of Aragon. 
Right. Arag- is it? I always want to say Aragorn because of Lord of the Rings, but I think it's just Aragorn. Yes. Catherine of Aragorn divorced. He changed the country yes. from being Catholic. Here we go. We're not going to talk about murders today. It's just Henry VIII. Yeah, yes. Um, he changed the country from being Catholic to C of E so that he could divorce her. Because wow. he just does what he wants. And then next is Anne Boleyn and she was beheaded. Right. Because she sort of got a bit of above her station and he thought he was cheating on her okay yeah and then it was the one who sings the slow song and her name was uh is that what Catherine. six is about his wives now they're ex-wives yeah okay um what's it they make history her story oh hello okay actually you'd fucking love it it's brilliant it's just like a party and there's no interval ah so there's no time to get bored right okay yeah it's just like hour and a half bang done okay yeah great show every there you go advert so then you've got i think it's a jane she died yeah she died during childbirth bless her and then you've got another catherine Divorced. Yep. That's because she came over and he saw a portrait of her and thought she was a great beauty. Mm. And then, um, and she's the one that moved into Hampton Court. She got catfish. He got catfish. He got catfish. Oh God. And she gets down your dirty rascal and he divorces her because she, she, she's a minger. Yeah. And then, and then <laughs> no. there's Catherine Howard. Yes. And she um, lost her head. Yep. Uh, because he thought she was cheating on her and she just had a really sad life. And oh she God. was really sad. By then he was all gross and old and she was like 15 and it was all a bit, uh. just a bit much. And then I think it's Catherine Parr and I'm the survivor, Catherine Parr. Yeah, yeah. I bet you want to know how I got this far. Yeah. And he died. He, uh, okay. he died. Yeah, so that is it. Divorced, beheaded, died, divorced, beheaded, survived, right? That's the rhyme, okay? Yeah. It's not that difficult. Mum couldn't get her head around it, bless her. <laughs> but I was thinking this whole time is, okay, when you learn about people's dating history, there's some red flags, they pop up and you're just like, okay, that might be problematic later. But when you hear about, oh, yeah, I beheaded my ex-wife. Like, fucking massive red why flag. why why would you go there <laughs> right so this actually segues quite nicely into what we're going to talk about okay today. so let's i'm going to roll with this no but 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 i also had something never. to i also okay. had to, so to go in with from that right? right so i went on a date with this guy and he was talking about his red flags and literally his red flags were just like non-issues not putting the toilet seat down. Oh, and, fuck off. And like, well, I mean, yeah, if you're dating a woman and they don't put the toilet seat down, you've got some questions to ask. No, but I mean, like, the toilet lid, because he, and not, oh. he goes, he didn't like it when people don't Two put particles. the lid down and flush. You had an ex boyfriend like that. Yeah, but like, that's not an entire reason to not date someone. Like, he would say he got the ick from people for doing small things like that. Yeah. Like, they didn't put the toilet seat down or they didn't, they didn't do the dishwasher properly. No, I remember and, like, you had a boyfriend who told you off for not closing the lid before you flushed. The one. Oh, that one. Yeah. Who? Oh, yeah, but he was a prick, we, though. But we with. know he was a prick, so, yeah. like, why is that surprising? No, but, like, not. but do you know what I mean? It's like, with Henry VIII, his red flag, what were his red flags enough for you to cut your head off, right? He'd just be like, I ain't going, I'm not going there, because I might do. I might not put the toilet seat lid down properly, and then tomorrow I'll be so, headless. Do you I know what I mean? Basically, by wife number four, yeah. if Henry VIII had his eyes set on you, you did fear for your life. You, okay. you were just like, oh, no, I don't want this. Yes, exactly. Like, it just, it's just yeah. funny. It's just funny how this is. My brain went from Henry VIII's head to people with weird red flags and icks to I'm glad I'm single in 2023. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad that you don't have to worry about dating Henry VIII. Yeah. But at least I like to think that if you had a portrait done, yes. 
yeah, he wouldn't be disappointed. When oh, I know. I really hope yeah. so. I would definitely make sure, though, that I was naked and my hair engulfed <laughs> my body with like lilies and, you know, flowers You're coming. In a giant clam. Yeah. Like a diver. Like that. Yeah. I was like, oh, yes, that was that was my interpretation of myself and yeah. how I feel in the world. So but. speaking of being frightened of who you marry. Oh, God, here we marry. go. We're going in, are we? Yeah. Well, oh. literally, so like. It's interesting that really you can never true. I have to try not to think about this too much, but you can never truly know who you're married to. Like no. me and Baker, I always think that Baker, we've now got to that sad point in the relationship where we've just morphed into one person. Right. And so like, we don't have to say things to each other. Like we can just look at like, if something will happen, we'll both just laugh because we know that like why we find it funny. Yeah, yeah, thing, yeah. You know, and I love that. I love that about us. And then just because I can't enjoy anything good, there'll always be this tiny little voice in my brain that's like, yeah, but what if he's just got this like other life and you just don't know about it? Exactly. Or like, yeah. But, and I thought, I've never asked him the question. No. Are you a serial killer, Christopher? Yeah, because, like, I mean, we've done enough cases now. Has he got a secret lair under your house that you don't know about? I have checked and there definitely isn't a basement in okay. this one. But in the last one, I wouldn't go in the basement because I was scared of spiders. He could have had a whole load of could have, had yeah. a swingers party down there. I mean, there. I'm in the house a lot more than he is, so he'd have to be very crafty. And yeah. like, luckily, because of the disability, he's not very sneaky. No. He's and not, I, I mean... Know, like, he's not very sneaky. Also, Baker is such a gi- gentle giant slash, like, I could just see him just trying to be sneaky and just knocking everything over in his in the yeah, process. Like, just like, oh, sh- oh. So, then, like, deep down, I know that he's just the best human being. Yeah. Like, and he, he is as great as I think he is. Right. Right. Yeah. He is lovely, lovely, yeah. lovely. But... Is it all an act? Loads. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you can just... There's always going to be, like, be like a... Oh, but this. And there's no red flags for me. But like, realistically, I think there's always that kind of like mystery of you never truly know what somebody's thinking. No. And that's terrifying. Like when you don't dwell on it because you can go really dark. That sets us up quite nicely to set the scene for this one. What happens is really horrific here. Oh, <laughs> did you hear that? Yeah. Wow. Well, that's a, a lizard tiny, living in my man living in Helen's throat. <laughs> I don't even want that to be any doubt. I hope that stays in. <laughs> so, well, as we record, Helen sneakily takes, she'll, she'll lower her mic down and take sneaky sips of coffee. <laughs> And that's just been like... (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that really got me. Oh my God, is that the ghost of John List? (laughs) (laughs) Right, okay. There are some... Some of the victims here are children. Let's set the scene. Yes. So... It's December 1971 in the quiet and well-to-do town of Westfield in New Jersey. We're in America today. Police have been called to a 19-bedroom mansion at 431 Hillside Avenue after neighbours have been increasingly concerned about the welfare of the List family, particularly the elderly grandmother who resides in the property. The lights have been on constantly for the past few weeks, but they're now starting to burn out one by one. And nobody's really sure whether they've seen anybody come and go from the property for a while. Ooh, like home alone. Yeah. What they think is that it's possible they've gone away, but if the elderly grandmother has been left there by herself, something bad might have happened to her. A fall or something. Yeah, so they they call the police to check on her. Police enter the house through an unlocked window in the basement. 
and begin to search the property. Now, it's fucking massive. It's a mansion. So it takes a little while, but eventually they enter the ballroom. Oh, wow. Yeah. A ballroom. Where they find sort of ethereal music playing. Oh, creepy. Yeah. And what looks to be piles of clothes on the floor. As they sort of take in the room, they realise that they're not piles of clothes, but people sleeping on the floor. What? Yeah. So the officers call out, police, can you get up? But there's no response. (gasps) As they enter the room on closer inspection, they realise there's blood smears on the floor and that the bodies of the people lying there aren't sleeping at all. They're dead. They are. They find the bloodied bodies of a woman and three teenagers lying on sleeping bags with their heads covered. And underneath the coverings, they each have gunshot wounds to their heads. Shit. So they're in, they were like in sleeping bags. They thought they were just napping. Yeah. They were, so they were on top of sleeping bags. Just laid on the floor. Laid out on the floor. Shit. That's yeah. fucking yeah. fucked. So they call for backup. House, <laughs> Sorry. That's a great yeah. description. <laughs> How I feel. The house is properly searched and it takes 45 minutes for them to reach a third floor apartment. Oh my God. Where they then find the body of an elderly woman who's <gasps> also been shot in the head. Oh, fuck. The bodies are identified as the members of the List family. Yeah. But there is one member missing. The patriarch, John. Oh, prime suspect then. Police are shocked and horrified by the discovery of the bodies until they find what I think is the worst part. A letter in uh, John's study right. on his desk to who finds this. Oh, my God. It's a confession as to the role that he's played in the bodies there. Okay. But it leaves no clue to his whereabouts. And the police are now faced with a cold-blooded killer who is on the run. Wait, so the, he he wrote the letter and said he did it. Is there a copy of the letter? Do we know what... Uh, We're going to go back to the... See, look, I've done a cliffhanger. Oh, my God. Oh, dun, 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 dun. There we go. I've got you. She got us. So let's go back to the start. Go. John Emile List was born on the 17th of December in 1925. Ooh. Which was a long time ago. Yep. In Bay City, Michigan. I hear some people say Michigan. And is that Michigan? Michigan. Michigan. Yeah. I thought it was Michigan. Michigan. Yeah, I don't know. I'm saying Michigan. Michigan. I don't think. It's okay. It's not like. He was the only child of parents John Frederick List and Alma Barbara Florence List. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of Johns here. So John gave birth to John, who also gave birth to a John. Lots of Johns. Lots of Johns. So John Sr. was quite a strict authoritarian, and he raised John, John, with a really strict Lutheran influence. What does that mean? Um, I had to look it up. So Lutheran, it's a form of Protestantism. Yes. Which, coincidentally, is that what King... Henry I, well, yeah, changed I think, it too so yeah. that he could get a divorce. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Oh, but they're quite strict. It's like, so it's not Catholicism. I think they go a bit more like New Testament. But um, I don't understand. Don't I've got, I've actually got a, if we want to like in a nutshell, the split between the Lutherans and the Roman Catholics was made public and clear with the 1521 Edict of Worms. Edict of Worms. Oh. Lutheranism retains many of the liturgical practices and sacramental teachings of the pre-Reformation Western Church with a particular emphasis on the Eucharist or Lord's Supper through Eastern Lutheranism uses the Byzantine Rite. 
This is making my head hurt. <laughs> That's so Yeah. It's it's it was strict. They were just strict. It was strict. Yeah. Strict. Um so it was he was always um sort of been brought up to be very conservative with his emotions. Like mm. he you know, just had to like, you know, very much like suck it up. Yeah. Focus on like your Lord's work, like focus on what you're doing, stay in your lane. There's no room. Boys don't cry. That oh, type. No. Okay. That type of thing. Yeah. All very healthy. <laughs> That's sort of it when it comes to his childhood. He just had a very like, mm-hmm. sort of, like bog standard strict upbringing. But he graduated from high school in 1943 mm-hmm. and enlisted into the US Army in the same year. Now we all know 1943, mid-World War II. Yeah. That was sort of just after the Americans joined the party. Okay. He went and he fought in World War II. He was a, he was a lab technician, but it sounds like he did see some active warfare. So I don't really understand... I don't really understand what he did, but he was discharged in 1946 after the war had ended in 1945 mm-hmm. and then went to University of Michigan and qualified as an accountant. Okay. He did a master's in accountancy. He also was a reserve officer during that time mm-hmm. and was recalled to active military service in 1950 during the Korean War. Okay. Which I didn't know was a thing, but was a thing. Right. And whilst he was at Fort Eustis in Virginia... He met a lady called Helen Morris Taylor. Ooh. Helen had recently been widowed after her husband was killed in action Aww. in Korea. Okay. During the war. And she lived near the base with her daughter, Brenda. Okay. So that was in Virginia. Mm-hmm. But John and Helen got married in Baltimore, mm-hmm. Maryland, mm-hmm. on the 1st of December, 1951. Okay. They were married in Maryland. Maryland. I don't know. And then they moved to California, where John was reassigned to the Finance Corps, but he left the army after his second tour in 1952. Now, it sounds, you know, nice he got married and stuff, but it's a bit murky because the way John tells it, Mm -hmm. he sort of was tricked into marrying Helen because she thought she was pregnant. Right. And she made it seem like she was pregnant, and so he was like, oh, I better marry her. Because he's, you know, he's quite strict. But then I thought, if he had such a strict religious, why did he? Why is he yeah. having sex with her before they were married anyway? Yeah, it's true. But maybe that's just not such a thing. But she wasn't actually pregnant. So did but, she tell him she was pregnant then? Well, uh, that's uh, unclear. He yeah, just said, I thought she was. It seemed like she was. Oh, that's so like she was. We've not, not menstruated in a while. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> are you pregnant? Yeah. <laughs> um, but the reason that. They were married in Maryland, Mm -hmm. Maryland, unbeknownst to him, is because they didn't have mandatory syphilis testing before marriage. And it turns out Helen had syphilis. Oh. Yeah. Mandatory syphilis testing. That's quite specific, isn't it? I think there was an outbreak in... Uh, What is syphilis? I've got to have to Google that. Syphilis. I didn't spell that right at all. It's a sexually transmitted infection. Yeah, but if it's left untreated, so it's caused by bacteria, but if it's left untreated, it can get passed on to your children. Yeah. But it can, like, it sends you a bit (laughs) doolally. The number of people getting syphilis in Scotland has greatly increased over the last five years. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Thanks for that. That's just quite specific. <laughs> so it is curable. So I think there was loads of people in like the Middle Ages, like with syphilis went a bit rampant. Yeah. And people sort of going a bit crazy. Because it just... affect your brain eventually. Okay. It's just funny how that's why you have to test specifically for syphilis before getting married. So I learned about this whole thing. So there was there used to be a lot of like mandatory tests before people get could get married. Right. When I had Sylvie, there was this whole thing about like blood clotting diseases. <laughs> and obviously because of my 
heritage, that was something that we're potentially at a higher risk of. Yeah. Mum said, well, it should, in theory, be impossible because before my grandmum and granddad could get married, mm-hmm. they had to be tested because they weren't white. Mm-hmm. They had to be tested for, I can't remember the name of it because I've got mum brain, but this particular disease, which is mm. something that this particular gene, and if they had it they wouldn't have been allowed to get married mm-hmm. but like that was just like oh another way to sort of like you could get really like racial yeah, yeah, like it's yeah. just another way to sort of like stop black people from procreating as freely as that's they, rude as white people yeah um but like we don't that's not what we're here to talk about but yeah. you know it's a whole thing so yeah i just i had no idea and so mum was like well, they they were tested so in theory that gene couldn't have been passed on so you yeah. shouldn't have it so we shouldn't be able to get it okay but helen had syphilis they tested for syphilis but they didn't do it that's why she made them get married and sneaky helen sneaky helen um it's weird that's my name yeah. <laughs> you are sneaky i am uh, i'm probably about to be like i don't have syphilis, I don't have syphilis. Yeah. <laughs> that was sort of became more of an issue later on as as their marriage progressed because it turns out Helen also had a massive drinking problem. Oh, so she's yeah. just all damn Helen's drunk, drunk and full of sin. Yes, uh, yes, yes. Yeah, but um, they were married, and I think for him that was it. Mm-hmm. They moved around. He he. It was difficult for him to hold down jobs because she became increasingly sort of unstable because of the drinking and the syphilis. But they, <laughs> <laughs> I love laughing. I know. It's not funny. It's, but it's not just, funny. It's just, <laughs> but just the syphilis. <laughs> like it's. <laughs> it's not funny, but why is it funny? <laughs> the drinking of the syphilis. Damn it's them. It's just the way you have to say it so casually because of the drinking of the syphilis. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, mm. But they did end up having three children. Patricia was the eldest, and then they had John, mm-hmm. and then they had Frederick. Right. Not very inventive with the boy names, considering that his father was called John Frederick mm-hmm. and he is John. Mm-hmm. But there you go. It's like uh, La Laurie all, all over again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're all just called Delphine. Yeah. So it was difficult for him to hold down a job. And it says this, it's not necessarily because of his performance. Like he was good at being an accountant, mm-hmm. but he was just a bit weird. Like his personality right. made it difficult for him to hold down a job. Okay. Uh, so the family ended up moving around quite a bit. They moved all across the country, like as they followed his career. Mm-hmm. But then equally, so there's that. But equally, he sort of made he did work his way up in the world of accounting. Right. Eventually, got a job at the First National Bank of New Jersey as a vice president. Oh. So I think that's quite a big deal. Okay. In 1965, as soon as he got that job, they bought this grand old home in westfield new jersey this 19 bedroom mansion wow I'm like there's that like you got this big old fancy job but like a fucking 19 bedroom house that's quite seems a step up isn't, isn't it, it? Like, there's only five of you yeah you know what i mean and it has a ball here you go kids you have three bedrooms each yeah and it has a ballroom but wow and so once again, it seems like he was sort of pressured into it a bit. He didn't really want to buy this house. He wanted to buy something a bit more conservative. Mm-hmm. But Helen... Helen... I God just put here, the SIF didn't help. So. <laughs> 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 like, yeah. So supposedly Helen, like, pressured him into it a bit. She wanted this, like, big old house. And um, he took a loan from his mum... To buy it. To buy it. And so she moved in with them. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. the house is I mean, yeah. big enough. There's Gosh, loads of room. You know, loser you need, in there. You need to know she's there half the time. It's that big. But because there was the sif and the alcohol, uh, <laughs> they were already having marital problems and they got worse oh, um, no. after his mum moved in. Okay. 
And he attributed basically all their marital problems to mm-hmm. Helen. He just sort of seemed to really resent her. Apparently she'd publicly embarrass him. Right. Uh, like compare him unfavorably to her previous husband. Oh. Yeah. Brenda, her elder daughter, got married in 1960 and moved away. So mm-hmm. she, she's not been in the picture for okay. a while, which uh, good for her. Brenda. Brenda. Yeah, she got out. So it sounds like in the meantime, he's still trying to like, raise this sort of Lutheran religious family, mm-hmm. hold down a job, yeah, keep everything afloat. Okay. John was fired from the bank in 1966. Oh, why? What so did he do? He's just got, I don't know. Okay. Once again, probably just didn't quite work out. So he'd only worked there for just over a year. And he's got this big house to pay for. What's he going to do? Yeah. But apparently he just felt so much pressure about like, having to keep up appearances yeah that he lied he just lied about being fired he never told his family and he he never told anyone like his neighbors or anything and so to keep up appearances he'd get dressed every day he'd drive to the train shit and pretend that he was going to work he would get on a train that and like get off after a couple of stops just so that people would see him get on a train what would he do all day he'd just go around the place it's mad but he did that, and I think so. I'm a bit sorry the, for yeah, him. Yeah, the way he was brought up is like poverty was a sin. Like just like gosh, this whole like keeping up appearances, and right. he just really sort of felt like he had to sort of portray this perfect family image, this well-to-do man, you know, supporting his family, providing for mm-hmm. his family, and being just good at everything. Because you know he was doing all of that i think his family sort of felt like a burden to him like you know i wouldn't have this much financial strain if i didn't have all this yeah this giant house that i didn't want in the first place and these kids who like are uh, full of syphilis and (laughs) yeah i don't think the kids had syphilis but like um i need to stop making jokes about syphilis it's not funny (laughs) (laughs) but you want to go but it is yeah i do (laughs) it is (laughs) it's not we're going to hell remember we are already going to hell yeah we'll see john list there yeah, and it, it, he's sort of on this downward spiral. And then by November 1971, he was facing bankruptcy. Oh, but shit. he couldn't tell anyone because they all thought that he was... Going to work. Going to work. And so he was still sort of failing jobs. And like he kept taking loans from his mum. Oh, they no. shared a bank account. And um, Did she not notice? She was quite old by then. Oh, yeah. And also, they didn't have mobile banking then, so she wouldn't have been able to check in on... No, and they shared an account. So he, in theory, wasn't stealing from her no but he kind of was was, yeah yeah. right so he's facing bankruptcy and he can't he doesn't know what to do Mm -hmm. and he's sort of like mulling over and he's feeling all this pressure and resentment and stuff so he seems to consider his options at this point he was contemplated suicide no but that would mean in you know from this religious upbringing he'd automatically go to hell yeah that's not an option you don't yeah he could run away mm-hmm. just run away from it all allow the family to go desolate and yeah they'd go on welfare and stuff but he just had this like sort of pride that wouldn't let that happen okay yeah and then once again he's got this sort of like drilled into him from his dad like you know you have to keep it all suck it up make it work gosh and he's he's a ticking time bomb because it's not that's not healthy, is it? He's a ticking time bomb. And then meanwhile, his eldest daughter, Patricia, who was 16 at the time, oh she no. wanted to be an actress. Okay, I thought she was going, she got pregnant. No, she wanted to be an actress. Right. So she was going to, she was seeing a drama teacher and stuff. And that's expensive. Uh, it's expensive, but yeah. also not a very sort of, you know, 
quite a sinful. Is it? Well, you know, she's going to be an actress. It's like jazz liquor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, jazz hands. Um, la 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 la. Yeah. So, <laughs> so in his eyes, it's not a very Catholic. Respectable. No, that's not Catholic. It's not a very yeah, Christian yeah, thing. Not, not a very sort of respectable for a woman. And so he was also fearing for their immortal souls. Oh, God. The souls of his children. And, it, you know, anything could happen to them. You know, they might be all right now, but mm-hmm. as they get older, how is he supposed to ensure that they all are going to be okay? They're all going to go to heaven. Like, he must protect all of their mortal, their mortal souls. God, it must be really difficult. Not really difficult, but... Being so hardwired to think a certain way. Well, later he would be analysed by um, a court psychiatrist and found to have obsessive compulsive disorder. Oh, right. Which doesn't help because once you lock on to a, a thought pattern. Yes, you um, cannot. Particularly with yeah. OCD, that spiral is like a whirlpool. Yeah. And it's very difficult to get out of. So I think there's this whole thing like that with OCD, you know, oh, you'd switch light switches on and off like eight times like patterns like that no it's it's being stuck in a thought pattern yeah it's it's um yeah it's like going in a toboggan down a bobsleigh chute yeah you're stuck in it you know the only natural step was well if he was really going to be able to protect their eternal souls and save them from the embarrassment of his financial situation and mm-hmm. save them and protect them from endangering their souls in the future he'd have to kill them all right now but that's surely he's going to hell he's yeah. gonna go to hell for murder he's a devout christian he can gain forgiveness okay all in heaven so he's gonna ensure he's gonna save their souls he's ensuring that they're gonna get a one-way ticket to heaven and he he's gonna send them there now and okay but how does he, how do you get forgiveness? What do you have to do to be forgiven for murdering your entire family? That's a journey that I think only he can oh, really. Okay. Um, yeah. I think that's a bit of a risk. Yeah. So he keeps, but he keeps, so he mulls it over. He thinks about it for a few weeks and he just keeps coming back to this idea that like the only way I can save them and is that, to send them to And because of the compulsive like yeah. thinking. To say, well, I'm not going to use that as an excuse. No, but like, you know, when you get fixated on an idea, that's what I mean. He just keeps coming back to this idea, yeah. Yeah. And he can't get away from it. Is compulsive not the right word? No, it is, yeah, yeah. Oh, right. absolutely right. Sometimes I worry that I've got the wrong word. So on the 9th of November, 1971, he'd convinced himself that that was what he had to do. That was what he was going to do. So he got up and he had breakfast with the kids. Like he got dressed, he got had breakfast with the kids and tried not to act any different so that they wouldn't be suspicious. Mm-hmm. what he was going to do and then after they had gone to school he went out to the garage and got the guns ready oh fuck yeah so he had a nine millimeter handgun and an antique 22 caliber pistol that was a souvenir from the war mm-hmm. so he had his guns ready and he goes back in the house just helen comes down to have breakfast and he shoots her in the head shit yeah and it's the way so you can see there's interviews with him mm-hmm. and the way he talks about it is just like yeah and then she came into the kitchen and i left the kitchen through one door and i came back in the through the other door so that sh- i was behind her and she oh. didn't know she didn't know what i was doing and i shot her in the back of the head <sighs> and he just talks about it like yeah and then i went to the supermarket and i bought some cheese and then i went and got my dry cleaning and that's just how he talks about it Oh, my God. Yeah. And then he shot her in the back of the head, put her in the ballroom and cleared up. Yeah. And then he said he didn't want to sort of like, it felt wrong to leave him on the floor. 
So he put the sleeping bag down. Okay. Put her on the sleeping bag. And then he went upstairs. His mum had like a granny flat on the third floor. So he went up to see his mum. And she asked him, apparently she said, oh, hi, John, how are you? Like gave him a hug and a kiss. And he said he kissed her cheek and it reminded him of Judas's kiss. Because <gasps> he knew what he was about to do. Yeah. She asked him what that noise was downstairs and he said, oh, it was just um, dropping something or whatever. And so she turns through to go, she turns around to go through the flat because she was having her breakfast. And he shot her in the back of the head. Oh, my God. Your own mum supposedly uh does he not feel anything suppose no just literally just talks about it he says oh my god when he talks about it yeah so he goes downstairs to finish cleaning up after helen before the kids get home from school honestly it's just the way he talks about it is it's just so chilling because he's so detached from it he says i was really surprised at the amount of blood that drained out of her head so god clean that up and then there were shell casings to clean. There was a shell casing to clean up, and some of her false teeth had gotten broken from the impact of being shot in the head. And so there were some of the, her false teeth were on the table and on the floor. So we had to clean all of those up. Shit. Yeah. How can you just all of a sudden be so like cold towards murdering your own because mom? He was, convi- he was convinced that he was doing the right thing here. Like he was sending <sighs> them to heaven, and he was just this was he decided this is what he's going to do, so he's just going to do it. He talks about this period of time. So afterwards, so he's got some time now. He's got a few hours before the kids get home from school. Mm. So he wrote letters to the children's school to say that they'd be out of school for a few weeks because they were going on a trip to North Carolina right. to look after Helen's mum, who wasn't very well. Now, it turns out that was actually true. Her mum wasn't very well because her mum was actually supposed to be visiting at that time. Right. But she cancelled because she was unwell. Okay. And he says, he goes on to say that if she had come, he'd have just killed her too. Fuck! She'd have just been part of it that day. Oh my God. Yeah. And then he went to the bank. He drove, he left the house and he drove to the bank. Mm -hmm. He took two grand from the account he shared with his Mm -hmm. mum, closed down all their accounts. Mm -hmm. Then he went to the post office to post Mm -hmm. the letters that he'd just written to Mm -hmm. the schools, Mm -hmm. stopped their mail from coming to the house. And he stopped, put a stop on like the milkman for a few weeks and stuff. Yeah. you know, going about his daily business as if they're going on a trip. Yeah. He's done all of that. He's done his business. So he goes home to make a sandwich because he's hungry. So he has his lunch. Oh, God. He has his lunch in the kitchen where he's just killed Helen. Yeah. And he says that during that time, he never considered that he should just stop there and not kill the kids. Right. Like, he's like, you know, once he'd started, he'd have to do it all so that none of them would remain and suffer the trauma of what had just happened to the rest of their family. So, you know, like, okay, well, I've started now. I've got to finish. Yeah, yeah. Patricia, 16-year-old Patricia, got home first. When she walked into the kitchen, yeah, he snuck up behind her and shot her in the head and then moved her into the sleeping bag next to her mum in the ballroom. Oh, my God. And, yeah, once again, because he thought that was better than letting them lie on the floor. And he covered their heads as sort of a, a form of respect. Right. Yeah. And then their youngest boy, Frederick, who was just 13, Shit. arrived home, same thing, just shot him in the head. And he said, and they'd just fall down. He'd shoot them and they'd fall down dead. And so he then took Frederick into the ballroom next to his, laid him down next to his sister. And now I think this is one of the most chilling parts. He, instead of waiting for John, who was 15, to come home, John had a soccer game, a football game after school. So, so big John just went and watched him play the football game like normal and then took him home. Mm. So picked him up, took him home and then shot John in the head. Oh my gosh. 
But John didn't drop down dead. And so the way that Big John describes it is that he said, oh, I don't know if there was like a muscle reaction or something that caused him to like jerk around a bit, but I shot him several more times. So, you know, to make sure that it was done. Fuck. Um, But like evidence shows that there was perhaps the gun misfired and John started to fight back. Oh, what? Yeah, and knew what was happening. Either way, whatever happened, John was shot at least 10 times. Oh, my God. Poor child. I know. I can't just... I just can't. I just have to hope that it was a muscle reaction. Yeah. Yeah, and he didn't know what was happening. Yeah. Big John claims that John didn't suffer. Okay. He didn't suffer, though. And literally, that, and that is just the way he talks about it. Yeah, so he jerked around a bit, so I shot him several more times, but he didn't suffer, though. And it's just like, how? I how? Just, this whole, like, like these this... are your children. And he has the audacity to say earlier in the interview, you know, like, I was told people would tell me I'm a good father and I loved them. Like, he'd talk about th- resenting his wife and then be like, yeah, I love, I, I, you know, I was a good dad. I love my kids. This is, this whole story is such a mind fuck because, like we said at the beginning of the episode, just imagine walking home from work or school back home to someone that you've known for years your entire life that you love and trust and then they just shoot you for no like, out of nowhere it's just mind-boggling yeah and they've got no idea that he's been planning this for weeks he's been thinking about this for weeks and they're just like oh Gosh. yeah dad like oh my dad's come to see my football game and then he's gonna take me home and shoot me what it's incomprehensible like i just cannot imagine i cannot imagine any kind of scenario where i would decide mm-hmm. like make the conscious decision yes to harm my child yeah like i can't i cannot the thought makes me want to vomit i love her she's the physical embodiment of my heart yeah beating around outside uh, my body oh. like yeah i just cannot and you know he's ensuring that they get to heaven but then it's just such a juxtaposition because if okay you're killing them so that they get to heaven but you won't kill yourself because you'll go to hell mm-hmm. what the fuck yeah about like it, this, it makes me so mad. When I saw the interview with him, it's just fucking batshit. Like it's it's unreal. I cannot even. You've said it before about like John Wayne Gacy when he talked about it. It's just, it's just like yeah, I just did it. Like, yeah. And these are his children, but these are his his children. children. Yeah. And he's just talking about it like he's like nothing. Done like, them a favor. Like, you know, like well, why wouldn't wouldn't you have done the same thing? Like obviously I did that. Yeah. Right. It's 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 mad. And then this is the worst part for me, this bit made me so I had to sort of like just pause it and take a breath. In the interview, he's goes he's just said it was important to him, like he didn't want them he shot them from behind because mm. he didn't want them to see any wounds or or any or see any suffering that might affect them getting into heaven. And then he goes like, Yeah, how compassionate <laughs> Like he fucking laughs. He makes a joke about how compassionate he is. About killing his fucking kid. Yeah. Ah! Oh, my God. Like, genuinely, if I could have just, like, reached through the TV and given this man a hard slap, I'd have I'd have done more than that, to be honest. Yeah. It's outrageous. Uh, it's mad when you watch these interviews of murder, the murderers that, uh, yeah, I would have done it more times. It's just like, where's your soul? Yeah. Where's he- your heart? Where's, where's your conscience? Where's it gone? To be honest, like, it's all when he wants to get into heaven. And he'll meet them in heaven. He'll gain his forgiveness. No, he's not going to heaven. He wouldn't even go to hell. Because I just, a man like that does not have a soul. No. Like, he's... He's going to be in limbo world. A husk a husk of a man. A man like that has no soul. There's nothing behind his eyes. No. It's disgusting. So he's done that. And he's, you know, he's so compassionate. He's moved John's body into the ballroom with the others. 
And then he then says he felt such a measure of relief that, you know, he'd been able to just carry out his plan without any interruptions. It had all gone to plan. Mm -hmm. And he was just that he was able to just relax then. Like a burden had been lifted. What did this over over losing your job yeah like, as well well about bankruptcy well that's it this is all yeah. financial shit like yeah. so he cleaned up he's still bankrupt though yeah he cleaned up and then he made his dinner he says that he was able to eat peacefully because he was you know from his time in the military he'd been used to going out and shooting people like shooting at people and then coming back and eating a meal gosh or whatever as if you make that comparison yeah so it was just like that's fine to him like so he was and he ate his dinner and then he finished cleaning up mm-hmm. and he went upstairs to bed mm-hmm. says he got a better night's rest than the night before oh my god and so the next day he gets up and he go he gets dressed he showers he gets dressed and he turns the thermostat in the house right down mm-hmm so that the bodies wouldn't decompose too quickly because okay. it's November, so right. it's like yeah, quite yeah, yeah. chilly. And then he turns all the lights in the house on. Mm-hmm. All the lights. Mm-hmm. And then this is like a weird part. He removes himself. He cuts his face out of all of the family photos. You know, that's done. They're gone. I'm gone. And then he turns on um, a religious radio station. Okay. Yeah, in the the ballroom so that they're, you know, surrounded by... Coral. Yeah, surrounded by God. It sounds so eerie when you, like, think about it. There's just these Mm. dead bodies lying in this cold. And just, like, a choir and an organ. Yeah. Yeah. And then he leaves. Like, you know, so he's he's packs a bag and and he's off. He just goes. Leaves the house. The schools have these letters received. So they're like, yeah, well, they're away on holiday. They're away. Yeah. Helen's known for being a bit unstable and stuff. Helen's just off being all Helen. Yeah. Classic Helen. Yeah. So nobody thinks too much of it when they don't really see the family coming and going for a little while. They were always very reclusive as well. You know, they're this very strict religious family. John sort of was very quite hot on public appearances, you know, keeping, saving face. They are this epitome of like a religious sanctimonious family so they didn't really interact interact much with the neighbors anyway but their neighbors did notice that the lights were on all the time and then after a few weeks the light bulbs started to burn out because they've been on all the time and it was that the light bulbs sort of started to go out one by one with seemingly no like pattern or anything that the neighbors called the police because they were concerned that alma john's mum had been left there when the family went away mm-hmm. and had maybe had a fall or something. So, yeah, here we are, back to where we started the episode. So the police entered the house via an unlocked window on the 7th of December. Nearly an entire month has passed. Oh, God. Yeah. So they find the bodies in the ballroom and they spend, yeah, it takes 45 minutes to get through this through the house. And the detectives say, like, you know, it was like he was waiting for the boogeyman, like, every house. It took them so long because every door they went through, he was just expecting someone to, like, jump out of them. Like, mm-hmm. uh, mm. yeah, cause Fun it house. Because it was just so eerie. Like, yeah. they had this, like, choral music. Oh. Dark. And there's, you know, and the ballroom. He didn't clean up in the ballroom, so there was the blood spears and, and stuff. Did and it not start to also, also it, decompose even Well, they then. must have, yeah. So, it, like, uh, someone... A bit smelly. One of the reports says, like, piles of flesh rather Oh, than, that's horrid. Oh. It would have been very a very slow decomposition yeah. because it was November. Right. Um, so it would have been cold. I don't think it would have been, like, massively smelly or flies, mm-hmm. but also the house was big enough that, you know, the neighbours aren't going to notice. There wouldn't be anything outside of the house 
or even the ballroom really like none of them talk about you know as soon as we entered we were hit with a smell or anything so i don't think that they had decomposed that far no but they find this letter right in john's study okay and it's what did it say i actually have a transcript of it here and so it's five pages long okay don't read it all it's (laughs) well i might do it's not is he's got quite big handwriting but i'd like it's so shocking this letter so I'll start and we'll just see how we okay, get on. Okay, um, okay. But he's so he writes a, he writes a five page letter to his pastor, 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 reverend. I'm I'm sorry, my childish brain just had me a telly. They're just yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> me too. As soon as I said pastor, I was like, no, Fruzy <laughs> Lee, yeah, no, um, no. P a s t o r. Sorry. So pastor Rewinkle. Right. to explain what he'd done because he'd been a member of this parish for such a long time and he thought if he owed anyone a full explanation it was him it's him yeah yeah so the letter reads i'm gonna i'm just gonna read it it won't take that long okay because i just think it shows it it's just it's so mad dear pastor rowinkle i'm sorry to add this additional burden to your work i know that what has been done is wrong from all that what i've been taught and that any reasons i might give will not make it right but you are the one person that I know that while not condoning this will at least possibly understand why I felt that I had to do this. One, I wasn't earning near anywhere near enough to support us. Everything I had tried seemed to fall to pieces. True, we could have gone bankrupt and maybe gone on welfare. Two, and he does it, it's like a bullet pointed list okay. of paragraphs. But that brings me to my next point. Knowing the type of location that one would have to live in, plus the environment for the children, plus the effect on them knowing they were on welfare, was just more than I thought they could and should endure. I know they were willing to cut back, but this involved a lot more than that. Three, with Pat being so determined to get into acting, I was also fearful as to what that might do to her continuing to be Christian. I'm sure it wouldn't have helped. Four, also, with Helen not going to church, I knew this would harm the children eventually in their attendance. I had continued to hope she would begin to come to church soon. But when I mentioned to her that Mr. Jutes wanted to pay her an elder's call, she just blew up and said she wanted her name taken off the church rolls. Again, this could only have an adverse result for the children's continued attendance. So that is the sum of it. If any one of these had been the condition, we might have pulled through, but this was just too much. At least I'm certain that all have gone to heaven now. If things had gone on, who knows if this would be the case. Of course, mother got involved because doing what I did to my family would have been a tremendous shock to her at this age. Therefore, knowing that she is also a Christian, I felt it best that she be relieved of the troubles of this world that would have hit her. My God. Yeah, I know. And after it was all over, I said some prayers for them all from the hymn book. That was the least I could do. He then goes on to talk about their final arrangements because in this interview, he sneakily worked it into conversation over dinner one night, like that, you know, how would you want to be buried or cremated? Oh, right. Yeah, so he goes that Helen and the children have all agreed that they would prefer to be cremated. Please see to it that the costs are kept low because I think the church would have paid for it. Oh, my God. And he's, like, doing them a favour. Yeah. And then, like, his mother had a, church, a cemetery plot, and he gives the details for that. There's a certain reverend that she'd want, but he's not. he knows he's not well. And then he'd written some other letters to his mother's sister, Helen's mother and Helen's sister, sort of explaining what's happened. And he wants the pastor to pass those on. And then he talks about, like, his books and the stuff in his house, like, what to do with that. Uh, this is the one thing that disturbed me, and mm-hmm. I was just... 
So he goes, originally, I had planned for this for November 1st, All Saints Day, but travel arrangements were delayed. I thought it would be an appropriate day for them to get to heaven. As for me, please let me be dropped from the congregation roles. I leave myself in the hand of God's justice and mercy. I don't doubt that he is able to help us, but apparently he saw fit not to answer my prayers the way that I hoped they would be answered. This makes me think that perhaps it was for the best as far as the children's souls are concerned. Oh my gosh. I know. Like I know that no, that many will only look at the additional years that they could have lived but if finally they were no longer Christians, what would be gained? It's awful. Oh. It's actually, so there's not much more till the end. Um, so I'm just going to read it. I'll just, I'll just read this last bit because it's just, it's the way he writes it. It just, it's awful. It, like, it gets okay. worse. Also, I'm sure many will say, how could anyone do such a horrible thing? My only answer is it isn't easy and was only done after much thought. Pastor, Mrs. Morris may possibly be reached at 802 Pleasant Hill Drive, Elkin, home of her sister. One other thing, mm-hmm. it may seem cowardly to have always shot from behind, but I didn't want any of them to know even at the last second that I had done this to them. John got hurt more because he seemed to struggle longer. The rest were immediately out of pain. John didn't consciously feel anything either. Oh my gosh. Please remember me in your prayers. I will need them whether or not the government does its duty as it sees it. I'm only concerned with making my peace with God and of this I am assured because of Christ dying even for me. P.S. Yep. Mother is in the hallway attic, third floor. She was too heavy to move. John. Okay. What? I No. P.S. Left my mother in the hallway because she was too heavy. Like that—that's not something you PS, right? It's like, like he goes on about you know, like I've done the right thing and they didn't suffer and rah rah rah. Oh, by the way, mother was too heavy. Oh my gosh! Like he—that's just like thinks, you, you don't PS that man. You just PS. Yeah. I hope you're well. It's so self-righteous, isn't it? Yeah. And I think considering that it's a confession for a fucking heinous crime. Yeah. Right. It's so conversational and chatty. Isn't it? Like his like the pastor's just gonna read it and be like, okay, John, thanks for letting me know. What? It's mad. And that's why I've just thought so there's loads of copies of it out there. You can read it if you want to. But just it re- I mean, he can't have been sound of mind. Like I don't know. I just I don't know how you well, could I lack think it that does. much compassion. I think it does sound like he you can be crazy but not insane. Like, no, I know, but you know, it's just, it's just he's, he's he's thought it through. He I, prepared I for it. I just can't imagine. How, like, I mean, I've said this about loads of our cases, but I just cannot understand how someone can be that cold. He's just so detached, detached yeah. from like not yeah. see the the magnitude of what he's done. Well, I think this is the thing. Like, the letter for me acknowledges that what he's done is terrible. And he knows yeah. that it's a terrible thing that he's done. But I think in his mind, he's doing it for the right reasons. It's the only yeah, way that but he that's can what I, Yeah. Like, so, so it doesn't excuse what he's done because what he's done is terrible, but it, he's done it for a good reason. So he'll, he'll get his own judgment. And so I think to that extent, he, you can't even say he was out of his mind because he's planning it for a different day, but the circumstances weren't right. Well, well, well I don't understand, right? He doing all this essentially because he doesn't want to go to hell, but 
he's also then said like you know he'll leave it the judgment down to down to God. Yeah, so he still might go to hell. Yeah, but Jesus died for his sins, so mm. I think that I don't know if Just he think sort of thinks that he's got a bit of a free pass to be honest because he's been a devout Christian his whole life. That was that. They had the letter, but they had no John. And obviously it's been nearly a month since they found the bodies. So by the time that this has all been discovered and come to light, John's in the wind. John's out. He's gone. Yeah. He's an enigma. They find the family car at JFK airport, but there's no evidence that he got on a plane. Even if he had or hadn't, it's been almost a month. He could literally be anywhere in the world. He could. He could be anywhere. So Alma's body was flown back to Michigan and and buried in her cemetery plot. Mm -hmm. And Helen and the three children were cremated and buried at Fairview Cemetery in Westfield. During that time, a nationwide manhunt was undertaken. Where's John List? He became, he got put on the FBI's most wanted list. Shit! Yeah, like, the FBI got involved. They wanted to be found. And I think for Westfield, like... It's quite a, a an affluent area. Violent crime like that just didn't really happen very often. No. So for like the Westfield police, it was like a real sort of personal vendetta they had. They they need to find him. So mm-hmm. they checked out every lead that they could get. Because he'd removed all his face from like a lot of the photos, they didn't have a lot of like photo stock that they could use. Yeah, to go, to we're him. looking for this guy. Yeah, and it's the 70s. That's the early 70s. Yeah. So digitization wasn't even a thing then so they really didn't have that many avenues to find him and the case went cold until yeah how did they find him 18 years later oh right well fast fast forward to 1989 he had a good stint on the run didn't he yeah there's a new show on fox called america's most wanted right where they feature a crime you know an unsolved yeah. crime and they you know reach out to mm-hmm. the public to ask for it and apparently the fbi and Westfield Police had been asking and kept asking and asking, can you get John List? Can you put John List yeah. on, on your show? And producers are like, nah, it's been way too long. There's no hope. Like, there's okay. no chance we're not doing it. And they just keep asking, keep asking, keep asking. And eventually they're like, okay, fine. Right. Fine. We'll put it on the show. They do it. And because it's the oldest one, it's the oldest crime they've ever done on the show, they get a forensic artist to build this like sculpture. Wow. Of of what they think that John will look like now that he's right. aged 18 years. Okay. Um, from any of the photos that they were using. They have this head. And when you look at the head, right, you can see pictures of it on the show. It looks funny. Like, it looks like one of those shit waxworks. Okay. You're like, lol, lol, lol. <laughs> but then, when you actually look at a picture of John List, right, you're like, fuck. <laughs> the guy's done a really good job. Like, oh my um, god because yeah. john list kind of looks like a melted head <laughs> like, it actually does it really does look like him yeah the producers of the show are like it's a total long shot and even the the host of the show is like you know we know we're never gonna find this guy but like right. i really want to find this guy now yeah because what he's done is just so fucking horrific like yeah, he's yeah. a child killer and that's terrible so god, those poor kids yeah i know and they oh they they just look like such nice children they as well did. yeah jesus um miraculously this is such a long shot the show works right the fbi they get loads of calls but one stands out to them and it's a call from someone in denver saying Mm -hmm. this guy looks exactly like their neighbor no way this sculpture looks exactly like their neighbor and now apparently john is like a really big fan of america's most wanted he loves the show he tells his friends 
to like watch the show and stuff until he's on it and he's like apparently he starts sweating a bit when he's watching it he's like oh that's me the fbi goes out to denver and goes to the house and is like hello and a woman answers the door and she's like oh no a guy called bob carter lives here there's no john list here you've bob i see okay you've made a mistake Mm -hmm. but you know like you can go and find him at work and clear all this up and then be on your way so they go to this accounting firm oh he's back on the accounting is he yeah he's back on the accounting they arrest a man called bob carter and, uh, uh, no. yeah and he's like oh you've made a mistake my name's bob i'm like robert p carter but, but he, you know i'll come with you yeah and we can just clear all this up but they take his fingerprints ah! and the fingerprints are an exact match no. to john lynn no! because yeah, they were able to get his fingerprints from his military records yes so apparently after he'd left the house in yeah. 1971 yeah. driven to the airport he then got a train from the airport yeah he got a train to michigan so he just left the car at the airport but never got on a plane he got a train to michigan and then eventually ended up in colorado Mm -hmm. where he assumed the alias bob clark and he um got a job as a cook and he created this whole life for himself and then he eventually got back into accounting but like he joined a lutheran congregation there and he would drive shut-in members to and from church like you know he became this like real Good, good men yeah good person again and he also met a lady called dolores miller who was a member of the church a member of the congregation and they got married in 1988 they moved to virginia where he got a job another job as an accountant and they were just living this life yeah but then also how the fuck did she feel finding out that her bob's not really bob well exactly right? so this is what brings me back to ah, like yeah. yeah both helen and dolores had no idea that they were married to a complete monster yeah. Like, and he could have been anyone. And, and in Dolores's case, he literally was anyone. Like, imagine, and she was watching this TV show. Apparently he was, like, sat next to her watching it. And, like, and he was like, oh, God, oh, God, like, sweating a bit. And she just didn't sort of look at it. Looks a bit like you. Yeah. And it reminded me of Ted Bundy, because Ted Bundy's wife did the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's mad. But so they've got him now. Even when he was presented, they were like, okay, we've matched your fingerprints, John. Like, we know it's you. He's like, no, I'm Bob. that's not me it's not me mate um yeah he didn't actually when was that that was um it was later in 1989 that that happened but it wasn't until like february 1990 that he was like fine i'm john yeah oh my god (laughs) yeah he's still they were like but we've got your thing like we literally know it's you he's like nah (laughs) guys on cloud cuckoo so they extradited him back to new jersey yeah and he went to trial. Yeah. He was analysed, seen and found fit to stand trial. Right. But it was the court-appointed psychiatrist that testified that John suffered from an p- obsessive compulsive disorder. And John was like, yeah, that's why I did it. It's because of, of my mental incapacity. I wasn't in my right mind. I, you know, I definitely... No. It wasn't, you know, I didn't mean to. It's because I've got this OCD. And the prosecutor was like, well, then why didn't you kill yourself? And basically used the letter against him. And he tried to say that the letter should be inadmissible mm-hmm. because he'd written it in confidence to his pastor. Like, oh, um, right. and then like, that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. You've literally confessed. We've got your fingerprints. You did it. So he never tried to say he didn't do it. He just tried to say that he wasn't he was, fully in control right. of his actions. But, I but think, that's not true. Yeah, and I think that letter really shows the opposite, to be honest. I think when you read it, like, I think he truly believed that he would send them to heaven but i do think 
he knew he was do what he was doing was wrong. And he even says, let the government do what they yeah. see fit. Like, yeah. he knows and they what, are. Yeah. And he planned it. I think, you know, once again, it wasn't an impulse. Like, he, he prepared. Mm. So, yeah, he definitely knew what he was doing. Don't get me wrong. I do think that the OCD contributed to, like, the manifestation of the idea as a good idea. Like, I, yeah. I do believe that he just, like, he wasn't necessarily able to get away from that as being an idea but he never had to act on it no and I think I think the thing is of like having OCD like I don't know like I've never really had proper OCD I suppose but having friends and partners that have like I think that have had it's like an overwhelming scratch that you have to itch in 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 regards to whatever that might be that is causing these like it could be um like I spoke about it with our friend Kat because she has like yeah. these sort of thoughts and it's like I Not thoughts of killing a family no 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 like um <laughs> I don't I'm trying to so it's like, it's like intrusive it's like, thoughts when it creeps in and, and like, you need to you need to resolve that by doing something so if it's like I can't really th- think of an example right now. I'm going to have to clean the floor right now because if, um, the baby's going to pick up a piece of dirt and get it in her mouth and she's going to choke and die. And that yeah, and you have to, floor, and that and keeps building up and, and building up and building up yeah. until it's done. And then you're like, it's a uh, sign of relief. But then obviously to get through, is it called compulsive? Like these compulsive thoughts yeah. is to not respond to them. You have it's, to recognise it as an intrusive Yeah, thought. rather yeah. than, because then you do it again and then you're like, are just going to keep going round in circles. You're yeah. just going to keep, and you're just feeding this, this feeding these these thoughts yeah. by giving into them. And so obviously this massive build up of like, if I don't do this, this is going to happen. And that's why he said he felt that relief afterwards because he was like, ah. yeah, I've done it, and I was able, and it was able to go the way I wanted it. To yeah, be. yeah. So yeah, and I think like obviously there's different degrees of severity of OCD. Yeah, it'll manifest itself in so many different ways for different people. Whether it's like physical tics or like mm-hmm. intrusive thoughts or yeah, he really tried to lean on it. And I think in this in this particular case, he, he couldn't, he, he shouldn't. And I think the right well, yeah, e- even right. if even if it was like a big part to play into what he did he's still not a safe person to be no, around because who's to say he won't do it again exactly so on the 12th of april 1990 john list was convicted of five counts of first degree murder for the shootings of his mother alma his wife helen and his three children patricia john and frederick he was sentenced to five life sentences which is the maximum sentence that could be carried out in new jersey at the time wow they hadn't they'd got rid of the death sentence okay and then brought it back later he was just in that time where he he didn't have to face the death penalty okay we've seen people face the death penalty for less mm-hmm. and once again i think i still don't really know where i would stand where i stand on capital punishment but if he had been sentenced to death i definitely wouldn't have questioned it i think in this case really yeah for this one, I feel really strongly about this one because of his like nonchalant act. Yeah, a- just attitude. the way that the way that he was, the way he speaks about it, he shows absolutely no remorse. Yeah, apparently, uh, you know, he did one time, but like even the judge was like, "You don't have any remorse for this. Like, you've got nothing." Outrageously, John appealed the sentence. Right. So after his defense about the OCD didn't work, he cited he tried to say that he had PTSD from his military service, and that's why he you did planned it. it. Yeah. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was rejected and he remained imprisoned until he died from complications of pneumonia in 2008. 
okay. And he died, he was 82. Okay. He died. And that ends the story of the John List murders. Christ. I know. Well, a heavy what a one. story, my goodness. Hell of a story. Uh, but yeah. yeah, fuck John List, man. Yeah, like, nah, he's not a cool man. Nah, he, I hope he is in hell. Mm. And I just so that he didn't get what he wants. Next time on Devils in the Dark with me, Helen Anderson. And me, Danny Howard. We'll be looking at the case of Elizabeth Bathory, the Blood Countess. Subscribe or follow wherever you listen to your podcast to make sure you never miss an episode of Devils in the Dark. And don't forget, you can find us on Instagram at Devils in the Dark. In the meantime, if you've been affected by any of the themes in this episode, please do check out the description for lots of helpful resources. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.